Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Piyush. And this is Level Up UA. Oh, Piyush, I'm really excited about this one. I know, I know. <laughs> I think we've spoken about <laughs> really this before. <laughs> okay, so in this episode, we're going to be looking at the viability of virtual reality as a platform. So we're going to be talking to Tony, who's got a fantastic VR blog uh, in the Ghost Howls. And he also develops VR games uh, by himself as well. So it's, it's, he's got a lot of knowledge and it's going to be fantastic to uh, question him. Perfect. I mean, I'm just going to be the curious listener. It's just you two. Go ahead. Let's get into it, Adam. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, uh, welcome, Tony. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Um, I, I guess the best place to start would be you introducing yourself. So, hello, Adam. Hello, Pius. It's an honor to be here to, today with you. So, I'm Anthony Vitillo. Someone knows me as the Scout Ghost. This is the nickname that I am in the VR communities. <laughs> it's a terrible nickname. Lots of people forget it, but who knows? Anyway, that's it. Um, I'm in the VR field since uh, 2014. I tried an Oculus Rift TK2 and I fell in love with it. I said, wow, I want to do this in my life. It's amazing because VR let me teleport from this gray office to an amazing villa in Tuscany. That was my first demo. Then after some minutes, I had a strong nausea, but let's forget that part of the story. And in these seven years, <laughs> I've been... Mostly a startup, a developer, and a blogger about AR and VR. So, um, <clears throat> recent, I, don't, I spare you seven years of story. I don't want everyone to go to sleep this early by listening to it. But it's interesting <laughs> to understand that lately what I do mostly is three things. One is being a developer of party solutions. If someone wants an application, I can do it. Another thing is that we are developing a game called Hit Motion Reloaded is a fitness VR game and also working VR events. It's another interesting trend. We just made VR and VR expanded and that's pretty cool. At the same time, I have a blog called The Ghost House where I just write whatever I want, you know, interviews, radios, memes, uh, newsletters about news, about VR, whatever I want. So I love everything about VR. So that's why I also love being here today with you. So we can talk about VR for one hour. So that's amazing. Wow, <laughs> you are obsessed with Ghost. I can see that. Seven years of virtual reality and scarred Ghost. That sums it up. Yes, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I should go to blockchain and FTFT like all the others and forget about VR. Seven years is too much. <laughs> so I guess, it, I guess we should probably start by... Uh, an introduction to VR. I mean, personally, my introduction to VR was was over the lockdowns. I picked up a Quest 2 um, and I've started paying it. It sort of transports me away from real life into this, this imaginary world, which is fantastic. Um, what are the... the what are the main players in the market at the moment? And, you know, what what's the kind of state of the union, as it were? Well, talking about VR, we can say that, <clears throat> let's talk about the headset. So the, the main player is probably hey, Oculus, that is Facebook, it's now the same company, um, that uh, provides headsets that are accessible, that are cheap, that are high-quality uh, high content. So the, the most user headset now is called the Oculus Quest 2. 
uh, it costs just $300 or 300 like 60 euros or something like that and you buy it you just put it in your head you turn it on it works and it already has a great library of games uh, hundreds of games of great quality people can play at home and have fun also with friends and whatever so some games are also multiplayer this headset also works together with the PC so you can connect with a USB-C cable to your PC and play PC VR games so you may have some people may ask why should I connect it to the PC and the answer is that on PC VR since you have your graphics card if you have been able to buy it because it's very hard to find them now you can play games with uh, you know, the, the power of the graphics card so with high quality graphics while with the Oculus Quest is a mobile headset it's just a little unit that you put in your head so it's not the same uh, graphical quality this is the main player. Other players that are interesting are Balbi, the company behind Steam that has created the Balbi index that you pay for like $1,000 and you have some difficulties to set it up. You've connected to your PC to play Steam games in VR. The great thing about the Balbi index is that it has supreme quality, super comfortable. It has a wide field of view, great graphics. Uh, controllers that track your fingers, uh, you know, it's a premium product for a premium price. Other vendors that are known, so these are the two most successful products of the moment. Uh, as always, there are the fanboys, the gamers, they say, yeah, the Valve Index is the best of the best. Uh, you, they play their Oculus products, are just cheap guys. But, it, <laughs> but in, terms of the, in terms of the actual market split between those two, <laughs> I think I read somewhere that, that uh, Oculus is sort of 50% of the market at the, at the moment. Is, does that sound fairly accurate? I can say 60% of the PC VR market. So, I mean, these people buying Oculus headset, the Quest, Quest 2, and the Rift S that is now dying, but is still there, um, amount as 60% of people on Steam. But if we consider all the VR headsets, so the, the standalones on the PC VR headset, I think Oculus is probably even more than that, or probably 50% can be accurate if you also consider the, the consoles. So it's also, you know, it's a bit of a fragmented market because there are 5 million PC VR, so PlayStation VR headsets, probably around 4 million Quest 2, and we don't know how many of the other, the Valve Index anyway, probably 1 million, I don't know. So yeah, probably what you say is pretty accurate if you consider the overall market, probably around 50% is, is the right estimate. So Tony, you got uh, game console and you got PCs and is smartphone also pretty big or trying to become big? Uh, smartphone was big in the sense that actually the most successful headsets were probably, you know, the, the one that you put inside the cardboard holder that you buy for five euros, the cardboard holder, you put your uh, phone inside, you enter VR, very cheap VR, but it was good to make some people start experiment with it. And if I remember well, the estimate is that we had like 20 million headsets of that kind yeah. distributed. So many of them were just given as gifts, so not by, bought by the users. And the number is huge, but actually most of them were just used like one or two times and then forgotten, forgotten on some <laughs> shelf, picking uh, dust. <laughs> well, the good thing of the new headset, like the Quest 2, is actually to have high retention. So people are actually using it. They are not taking dust. There is someone already that posts pictures with them with some spiders inside that they made their nest inside the headset. But these are just 
Little casualties, but usually people use them very well. <laughs> you know, I was having this debate with Adam before as well. I mean, not a debate. We're just having a discussion about this. That who are the main players who are actually playing? Like the players who are playing, the users who are using the game. Are they hardcore gamers or are they sort of uh, people who are looking for some sort of an entertainment? Like those two are different categories, right? So. what what is the split and how do you see that evolving in the future because adam was of the opinion that you know in the future even the players who are just looking for entertainment would become pretty big part of virtual reality gaming yeah, that's a very good question i think that uh, in the beginning and probably since the release of the quest it was mostly uh, there's a debate about what is a hard gamer but anyway gamers tech enthusiasts prosumers this kind of people nerds like me uh, um since the quest true especially has started you know getting more widespread especially in the united states uh we can see that are also people more you know more like the average consumer than maybe a guy that is looking for a gift for the little brother or the son or this kind of people even someone that wants to play with the family so more like the average consumer so i think there is still a good percentage of tech enthusiasts but the more we go on the more you know non techy people start using vr this is trend that okay. is already started and oculus actually in a talk is already detailed what are like the categories of people that are starting with in the next year we'll enter vr I remember that probably one of the next is like the story seekers you know that these business people have all these kind of personas that use the, the various devices and so for instance they say okay now they're mostly gamers but they also in the next years will be people that want to enjoy a story and something like that that will enter as well vr to enjoy the stories of games the vr movies and this kind of stuff so there is like a growing audience of uh, average people that is entering that's that's very good news actually for the world ecosystem I've been known to watch Amazon Prime on Oculus so like just being able to sit in a in a cinema yeah. and watch uh, you know whatever it may be that you're throwing on the screen but it's uh, it's it's no, a that's one incentive experience. for me to buy Adam like that's one reason why I could buy I'm not a gamer but for Amazon it, Prime maybe <laughs> I, the one thing I will say with it is is a lot of the Oculus stuff that I've played is it, they're very casual games you know it, it's it's pick it up play it for 20 minutes put it back down again and you're happy for a, for a while you know you've escaped for a little while um yeah. for me definitely the the difference there it's like um it's like sort of going back quite a while in in gaming you know sort of going back quite a few years in gaming to to the more sort of casual times of games the Sega Mega Drives that sort of thing you know you're you you pick it up you play for a while um and then you sort of move on to the next thing and and I think for for a certain range of people, you know, like my kind of age that have kids and that sort of stuff, you don't get a huge amount of time to sit playing on PlayStation 5. Um I have one. I sadly I don't get the time to be playing on it much. Um but you do get enough time to just sort of throw on the headset and have a have a go at Beat Saber for a little while. Yeah, I think that that's a great also for me, you know. Uh, luckily or unluckily, I work a lot and I I wouldn't have time to play games for hours. It has happened probably the last very long game that I played has been Half-Life Alyx because it was like the game of the year. I was like I have to play it all. So it was like I don't know 10 hours or whatever of game and I spent 
two days play only at Prepalis. It was like an exception. And I think that the reason for this is that um, at the mo- there are I think that mainly two reasons. One is that uh, probably the games at the moment are not a huge budget. So uh, it's difficult to make a game with um, big graphics, a long story and such. There are some, like Alex, but you know, Alex probably had like millions of budget, like 60 millions or such. We tried to make some calculations, uh, at least 20 millions. Uh, usually VR games are made by indies. And so it's easier that the games are, you know, make like episodes or such. And the other reason... But that, that's, that's something in itself that will change over the next period of time as, as some of the big boys, so to speak, start getting involved in VR. It will expand the <clears throat> the content of, of VR and the types of games that you're seeing, presumably. I mean, as the money becomes more available in, in VR. Yeah, you know, at the moment VR is a tiny niche for gaming studios. So I remember probably three years ago I was talking with someone at Ubisoft, or was maybe one, probably two years ago, with someone at Ubisoft Italy, and he asked us, okay guys, you look great, but why are you interested in such a little niche? <laughs> it was fun because for them, like millions of people are just a little niche. Like for an indie gamer, maybe it's a huge amount of people. And they have they have brands that make, you know, hundreds of millions of such, so they, they want a very big audience. But things are changing because, uh, you know, VR is growing, and probably next year it will reach, you know, the magical number that Zuckerberg says, so 10 million people in one VR platform, it will be the Oculus Quest 2. So we have brands that will start getting interesting. So I think that 10 million, you know, is still not enough to compete with a mobile market or the PC market. But it's a start. Um, yeah, but when, when you start counting that 10 million plus the, you know, when, when PlayStation brings out the VR2 and then you've also got Steam VR and, you know, however they're building that up, it starts, the numbers really start to add up, don't they? Yeah, that's true. And since you talk about PlayStation, for instance, rumors say that Sony has said to developers that it is looking for hybrid games. So let's make a game that runs on the PS5 and also on the PSVR 2. So we have a big audience and also PSVR people can have amazing big games uh, that can also help to sell better the, the headset. So exactly this is what uh, people are starting to looking for. Of course, Facebook can't do that same thing because they focus everything on a single platform. But Steam and um, PlayStation can try to focus on hybrid titles. For instance, one title that was went very well was Star Wars Squadron that was both for a PC and PCVR and people appreciated it in both ways. So probably that's one part of the future, the short term future, hybrid games. Do you see bigger developers who are focused purely on gaming on the mobile phones, right? Uh, sort of shifting their weight and, you know, um, moving towards virtual reality in the near future, let's say five years down the line? I think in five years or such as possible. Of course, it all, will all depend on the sales because they, they need numbers. And uh, having been then focused on mobile, they already know how to optimize a game that is very important now for mobile VR, that is the, the trend of the future, probably. Uh, unless PL- PSVR 2 will change completely the landscape, it seems that now the future will be standalone mobile VR headset. So it can seem like a natural trend that I switch from mobile, not switch, but I think integrate. So, you know, 
אינדי רופרים, בוטס, סנדר מובייל גיימס, מובייל ויארט גיימס. But we will have to see because the, the sales numbers, you know, in five years is like throwing a dice and we, we don't know what is going to happen. So we live like yeah. year by year and it will be a surprise <laughs> in five years what we will have. Maybe we'll have, you know, AR headset for everyone. Maybe VR will die as someone says every, every two months. So we'll see. Well, especially well, with the new, the, you know, Facebook's new tie-in with Ray-Bans and that sort of stuff. And when they actually get to the AR-type glasses, which they're not quite there yet, but, you know, that's, that's inevitable. It'll happen soon enough. Then you can imagine sort of playing a game as you're walking down the street and, and sort of shooting aliens at the same time as your commute to work. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think that'll come. Um, Are and you I killing aliens on your grow. commute to work? Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, you can just imagine it. You know, you're walking, yeah. you're walking down the street and you've got all of these aliens popping out of everywhere and, you know, it's your job to shoot. I don't know, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. Walking down the road. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, Ready Player One. That's the world I'm imagining right now. <laughs> People in the street with a head uh, moving in a weird way. Everyone will look like a crazy guy. So. <laughs> so the the from what I can see, the cool thing about Oculus is they, they have... cut the cord essentially they've taken away the need to have an expensive gaming PC to run the the VR so like from that aspect it, it, it makes a lot of sense they've also now brought in app lab or a little while ago they brought in app lab um, the 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 thing that really captured my imagination with that is they're now enabling people to Or, or legalizing the sideload uh, concept um, uh, so smaller developers can actually get involved they can create games but they can also charge for those games for people on already on oculus to be able to go and purchase those games in a in a sort of sub store is that do you think that's expanded the amount of development happening happening on the platform at the moment Well, I think that actually AppLab was Facebook's solution because sideloading was getting beyond its control. So they created a headset to have a tight store controlled by them completely with just a few titles. Of course, developers were not happy about it, especially indie ones. And so someone created a side quest VR and everyone started... All the indies publishing them and they were starting getting too many people with a quest everyone was sideloading content because the official content was too little so they decided that the only way to control all of these uh, was to create an official uh, you know second league store for uh, indies and uh, they created AppLab and it's in a way a good thing because sideloading was not for everyone so it was a bit complicated for non-techies Uh, update of the applications was difficult, etc, etc. So AppLab was uh, welcome news for us in this. And it's also welcome news that is completely open uh, as soon as you respect some basic guidelines. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but they made like a sort of a trolling experiment. They published a cube on AppLab. They called the app the Unity Cube, and it was just a cube. And they approved it. So now there is an app with 3,000 downloads on the store called the Unity Cube. Some people have reviewed it, opened it, and said, it's a cube. And, and that's it. And it was a pretty funny moment. <laughs> you know, but it was pretty interesting because 
Um, it proved that actually Facebook is not blocking any kind of application, even the most stupid ones. So that, that's one positive thing about AppLab. And I think that is good for us developers because AppLab is more profitable than how was I downloading before. So I can say that AppLab has built, you know, was at least letting us developers getting close to the main door. We can't enter yet, but we are there. And people are starting seeing someone earning good money also in AppLab. So more developers, as you can say, are getting interested in it. So the, the ecosystem around the quest is richer. Because I think without subtle loading and so without AppLab, the quest will have been very, very limited. Because the official content is little and... Is, Another bad thing is that it's not experimental at all. It's like, okay, this makes money, you can sell it. But, you know, the crazy experiment, like the cube, like, you know, there is a guy, uh, Daniel Dorsham, that makes experiment with hand striking and made weird things, like you have a grate, you can grate your hands and see it becoming powder. Crazy things that are on the Quest official store. Can't be published, but can be on Apple. So... Uh, AppLab has opened a lot of possibility. It's not perfect. Probably we can talk about the visibility problem it gives to developers. But at least it's something that is opening the Quest environment to indie developers. Now that, that's, but, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. That's exactly where I was going to go next, actually, is the, is the visibility of all of this. So the, the, the problems that I, as a consumer, that I sort of see with this is being able to, and especially coming from the mobile world where it's all about performance marketing and, and really trying to uh, draw the users in, is the how, how on earth you market your game so that you you can put it in front of the audience that is going to resonate with your title. It, it seems... It seems very hard for people to go in and organically find your game unless it's using Star Wars IP or it's you know it's a, it's a, a, a highly anticipated title that's going to be released in the Oculus Store. Um, there are, from what I've seen, there are uh, a few places that you can go and look for App Lab titles, which actually lay them out in a nice way, and it's easy to find things, which, which is SideQuest and uh, VRDB.app. Um, but have you got any tips on on how you can actually advertise your game and and grow grow your title? Well, I think that the situation is even worse than in the mobile market because in mobile, in mobile stores you can at least hope that someone organically find your game. Instead, on Apple, the game is totally unlisted. It's like an unlisted YouTube video. No one can even find it unless it already knows the exact name that he can find. But if my game, for instance, the fitness game we made is called Hit Motion, Hit Motion Reloaded. If you look for Hit Motion, you don't find it on Apple. You have to find, look for Hit Motion, Column, Space, Reloaded. The exact name. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't find it. So it's really impossible to be found. So the ways that you uh, can do, you know, you have to really to go with the knife in your teeth and try to promote your game or however you can. And the first basic advice is also publish it on SideQuest and AppLabDB, so these directories that you talked about, because those ones are discoverable. So people, I don't know, go on SideQuest, look for fitness, and find the game because we put the fitness tag for our game. So that's one basic piece of advice. The other one is, of course... Uh, try to create, you know, some content that has some value and then contact all the VR magazines and try to be published by them. 
Sometimes if there is something valuable about your game, you, um, you get an article and that article gets a big boost of downloads. It's important App Lab because someone may ask me, okay, but uh, there is really an advantage to publish there and not just put in their own side quest. Uh, I say put it on App Lab always because you see a spike of downloads after you put in App Lab because it's much easier to download, to update, so users are more anxious to download an Apple app content and sidle or something. So this is the really the advice number zero, put an Apple app, then go publish it on the directories, contact the journalists, contact the influencers, the uh, YouTubers, or whoever, make a list of everyone you know in the community. And there, there are, that's, that's interesting in itself, so that there are VR influencers that are, that are sort of currently active and, mm -hmm. and have decent size audiences so that you can you can sort of get your game to them and they can they can give you a boost presumably yes uh, some influencers i can tell you there are some youtubers like natty kassan carry mike youtube reality oasis mixer reality tv voodoo there are many of them there are some journalists i can say the name of some magazines how to vr upload vr vr focus vr scout but there are many others there are some people that write articles, for instance, there is me that I have a little blog. Uh, there are some people that have podcasts like Can't Buy that is very famous in our ecosystem. There are some influencers, you know, the, the other journalists, for instance, I can say Charlie Fink, Katie Huckle, and you have really to contact everyone. If you know them a bit personally, it's better because maybe they say, okay, I'll just make a retweet for you and this kind of stuff. You have to really to try to go away. You have to go to the communities. I really advise to use the groups, like Facebook groups. There is a group called Virtual Reality. That's a very simple name to remember. Like 40,000 people inside. There are the subreddit on Oculus, Vive, Oculus Quest, Virtual Reality with thousands, thousands, hundreds, thousands of people. And you have also to choose the right content. Usually on Reddit, I see videos, little gameplay videos getting the most success, for instance. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, if you have some short video that can make people intrigued or interested, or it's funny, or something like that is the best way to promote your game. And then, of course, there's also paid advertisement that, you know, it works always. Uh, I, I was gonna, game. I was gonna move on to that. Uh, so in, in in terms of the paid advertising, do you have? I've seen sort of uh, Pixel Rip ads quite a lot coming up for me, even though I've already purchased it. Is there a? Do you have control when you're doing that advertising? Presumably, it's mostly through Facebook, but you're actually running the advertising, um, or or can you do it externally to Facebook? Uh, are you speaking about the developers doing advertisement to us? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the ad monetization. <laughs> well, uh, if you talk about uh, the developer looking for user to advertisement, um, I personally, I think that there is not an exact platform. Of course, Facebook is always the best because you, know, you can target more, whatever. But for instance, even on SideQuest, there are some banners and there you can target even better because if someone is on SideQuest, it's uh, probably already your target audience. Um, so there is the usual ways you you target a game, you you promote a game. Instead of talking about the ads that Facebook wants to put inside the games, 
we still don't have news about them because the when they talked about them the first time there was like a huge backlash from the community so now they're waiting for the waters to calm down but probably that's but another isn't way. it good for developers tony isn't it good for developers to probably create a new revenue stream by allowing that Yeah, that's it's a very good question because you know it's uh, it's the user problem of advertisement. On one side, it's good as a revenue stream. I have a blog and I have, you know, I have a, only one now because also Patreon is going well. But I, I still have like one or two ads by AdWords, and they're good because they're in a way a revenue stream that arrives every month to me. What I don't like of advertisement, and all people like me don't like, is that it usually includes profilation and this kind of stuff. And we know yeah. that the main platform is Facebook. We know the problems or privacy that Facebook has had in the past, and there is not much trust in Facebook. And we know that in, they already said that, for instance, you can they say they they control if someone is looking at you. And this is probably one of the most dangerous things about the VR is controlling what the eyes are looking at. Everyone is scared about advertisement used together with eye tracking. So that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Not ad ads. The ads, you know, if they're done well, they're not intrusive. They can be a revenue stream. The problem is what comes together with the ads that scares us. That makes sense because it's. I mean, because from a you from an advertiser, I'm an advertiser, right? So from from my point of view, it makes sense to invest over there because the users are a lot more engaged. uh with the game and if 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 the branding and everything and the advertising is done right it it makes a lot of sense to generate a lot of money from them but uh you know the the other question was and as, this is as a person who is not very aware of the virtual reality world is app lab the only distribution platform or do we have other sort of app stores in the virtual reality world as well okay if you talk about the oculus quest the only two are the official quest store and app lab um, instead if you talk about all the other headsets We can say that uh, the poly apart from PlayStation has its own store, so this is yeah. the only one. Then we have Steam for VR content, and we all know Steam, so I don't have to talk about it. Uh, there is Viveport. Viveport is a store that HTC Vive has created, and it's compatible actually with every kind of PC VR headset, so Vive, okay. Valve Index, uh, HP River, whatever. Um, and then you know now there are especially Chinese headsets that are starting to create everyone their own stores. So Pico uh, is Pico store. I know Shadow Creator probably has its own one. I know Nolo is getting probably its own store because now there are lots of standalone Chinese headsets that are trying to enter the, the market, and that's another interesting trend. And, We'll see. The problem for us developers is trying to guarantee compatibility with all this kind of. I was going to say, is but, that but a different we... version of the app for every single store? Yeah, yeah, that's my question as well. Yeah, at the moment, uh, at the moment, this is the situation. But there is, you know, work towards standardizing stuff to what is called OpenXR. That is like one or two layers of compatibility, so that if I create an application for Oculus Quest. It works also on the Vive Focus. It works also on the Valve Index, etc., etc., etc. This would be amazing for us developers because until now is a hell guaranteeing all this compatibility. Uh, OpenXR is getting there. Probably I can say next year will be, I think, the year because everyone is switching to it. But Oculus just switched to to using that, right? Yes, and they're like abandoning compatibility with the previous runtimes. 
And but you know, Unity and Unreal are still to complete, especially Unity. I read the test to complete the switch and it will happen probably end of this year, next one, beginning of next one. So until when all the game engines, all the vendors will be compatible with OpenXR, I really can't wait for that moment so I can just build once and it works <laughs> everywhere. So <laughs> finally. Oh, okay. Uh, and again, this is, I'm trying to create a comparison between mobile app stores and the app stores on the virtual reality side. So, for example, over here, and these are two of the biggest ones, obviously Chinese app stores are different, but we have iOS, which is end-to-end control, hardware plus, uh, you know, app store control. And we have Android, which is sort of an open source, right? And you can build yeah. your own app store on top of it, like Samsung and other partners. Do you see that evolving in the virtual reality world as well, that there has to be one partner who is going to control the hardware as well as the app store functioning and everything end-to-end on other becoming an open source? Mm-hmm. Well, I see that, uh, so, at the moment, uh, the Apple of VR is Oculus Facebook, because they control completely the hardware, they completely control uh, their store, they completely control their operating system, they are quite closed in everything, uh, they really behave like Apple in most of things. The only good thing at the moment is that they're using a modified version of Android, so Android is still, you know, and it, still open operating system they have modified it a bit so they closed some doors but side the loading was possible thanks to they relying on android uh, i think yeah. other companies like valve they, their steam um, environment is much more open it's compatible with the headsets uh, they accept um, there is you know everyone can publish on steam now they open the gates so um, let's see what will happen if Valve will publish a standalone headset as well. But for now, the the debate has been mostly between uh, Valve providing an open ecosystem. Even it, also HTC has a quite open ecosystem, uh, while Oculus is just like Apple style. And I remember a, a, okay. a letter from from Zuckerberg that really scared the last people. Like he said that he wanted to control everything of the the game engine, the applications, the, the hardware, the software, the store. And we're like, oh my God, we hope that this is not going to happen because <laughs> it's like a monitor. Is it, is it, from, from the other perspective there, looking at it from somebody who uses, I, I don't see that as a particularly bad thing because it works. Like, I, I've never had huge problems with it or anything it, it, every time i put it on i can get into it i can play one of the games that i've bought it's it's easy and it's kind of the the whole apple argument isn't it that you know they're, they're closed ecosystem and they the argument there is that they can control every aspect so they know that everything will work and it, it's to me that seems very similar with facebook and it's i mean obviously there's an element of we want to control everything but it's when it works, it it works. <laughs> well, I, I agree. Yesterday I was like many other excited I was looking at the Apple event trying to hope for one next thing that never happened. <laughs> we just see uh Tim Shasso, Tim Cook wearing glasses, but it was standard glasses, so no AR news from it. And what I can say, looking at it, I'm an Android guy, but looking at the presentation of course and I say, Wow, it's everything Apple creates in its iPhones works perfectly. The user interface is amazing. The privacy is super secure. So I can't say the Apple products aren't good. They're a bit expensive, but they're, they're of course amazing. 
the problem is that you know as a as a developer as a techie i don't like that i have something i can't i know you i can just use it i can't create something i can't hack it i can't uh, connect it maybe with other accessories from other brands it's just okay i enter this ecosystem i use it with its official accessory i can just do that and if i stay in the garden it's perfect the problem is that i can't step out and the other thing is that um, you know, it's like, uh, also as a user, the problem is that you really, once you take something from Apple, it's better to buy everything else from Apple. So it's really, you, you, you enter from it, and the fact that you have not this compatibility with everything can also be a disadvantage for the users. With Android, you can buy the headphones from a brand, the phone from another, the PC from another, mix things up with a bit of duct tape, and things work, or... That, that's what I like of it, and you know, but I agree with your point. I can say Oculus Quest 2 is an amazing device, a great content, works most of the time flawlessly, it costs little, I can't say it's not good, but you know, I don't like that, for instance, as a developer, I can't get to the main store and ask why. I see also, okay, you can say maybe that my game is still a demo, but there are some cool games that have been rejected on the, on the main store. And this is also a disadvantage for the users. Why can't they decide what they want on the official store? So that, that's a different argument, you know. It can be more for one or for the others. There is not you know, a right answer. Everyone has its own opinion. Makes sense. Makes sense. So it, it, there's also the the very recently I saw that the uh, the title I Expect You to Die too. Has, uh, is one of the first games to have raised like a million in its first week. So presumably that's that's all pushing in the right direction to make the platform viable and to make the the to increase the amount of developers on the platform and that sort of stuff. Is what what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think that success stories are amazing. Uh, how um, you know the investor Tipotar Chenava since uh, the good thing of the Quest store is that it's proving that there is a repeatable success in the app. So it's not that just I expect to die two has made a million, but there are tens of uh, dozens of uh, titles that have made at least one million or even more than ten million. On the, on the Oculus platform. Uh, also on Steam, we have, for instance, Boneworks that has made mi very uh, much millions, lots of millions on PCVR. And you talk about Expected to Die, you can say Beat Saber has made hundreds or millions of dollars. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Demeo, Demeo, I don't know what the exact pronunciation, that some months ago also made millions in a very little time. So the amazing thing is that it is possible for everyone to succeed in VR. Well, usually speaking about also indie games and making good money. The problem is always what I like to highlight is that this is like survival ship bias. You see that uh, 50 people have made 1 million, you don't see 1,000 Indies that are starving because they can't make enough money to survive to Apple or Steam. So we also yeah, must be sure. very careful as in the world picture. And uh, It's good, VR is amazing that it's growing because these success stories weren't there five years ago. Uh, but we're still not there that it's like easy to create a good product and make money. It's still a growing market, it's still a niche. All right, Tony, I think we are a bit out of time. So I'll ask just the last question and we always want to end 
on a future note that you know how do you see we are evolving in the next 10 years i'll give you 10 years for you to predict and then i'll come back in 10 years and do another podcast so. oh, that's amazing i can't wait for it <laughs> but there is a joke i like to say uh in my blog i make at a certain point an article saying the the sentence i'm tired of hearing in vr i want to say in 5 10 years because whatever we don't know we always say it will happen in 5 10 years So portable glasses, five ten years. The metaverse, five ten years. It's it's fun that we always say that, and it's always five ten years every year. So I remember when they used to say that about the Back to the Future hoverboards. You know, give it it five ten years, everyone would be riding around the streets on those. Yeah, it's always that. It didn't happen. Sooner or later, it will be the real five ten years. Let let me be specific. You tell me. uh, You can can you. predict just one thing one specific thing that you believe would become very big in the next 10 years let's say no but was not, in the it reality. was not a problem with your question just want to have fun so no worries so, <laughs> no, uh, no, like, no no it's it is t- <laughs> so please go ahead. um every, of course and no one of us know what is going to happen in 10 years it's really a long time frame i think that uh, first of all there won't be just a vr would be uh, just one headset to have all because Personally, I see a lot of value in VR. I see a lot of value in AR. I think that they have different purposes uh, and lots of similarities. And uh, you see that AR can become somehow VR. So let me say just a little story also about that. Uh, I was interviewing Mojo Vision. Mojo Vision makes AR contact lenses. So you put contact lenses okay. with AR and they're already making it, already testing it internally. And at a certain point, I was interviewing them and said, okay, but... Okay, you talk about AR, but why don't you make VR contact lenses? And he said, if you want to VR, you just close your eyes. And if you think about it, <laughs> it's true. So, so true. If, wow. if an AR headset is already powerful <laughs> enough, with enough field of view, etc., etc., you, you just put something on it and it becomes VR. And we're already starting to see the blending. Now, for instance, the Lynx R1 that is coming... Uh, a Kickstarter at the end of this month, it is VR and AR. Apple has bought Vrara many years ago, no, Vrvana, Vrvana, it was a company making a hybrid VR and AR headset and it's rumored Apple to make a, a hybrid VR and AR headset. The Quest has already an experimental AR mode. Myself, our game two years ago was already in past two AR on a VR headset, the Vive Focus Plus. So what I can see for sure And I'm pretty sure about that is that in 10 years we'll have a hybrid reality. We just don't be like, yeah. okay, AR, VR. Yes, there will be the name for the technologies, but I think that the headset will be only one. And I think that in 10 years, at least there will be awareness for these technologies by everyone. Uh, so everyone will know what will be AR and VR. I think that all the techies will have it at home. Uh, everyone will have a friend at least with an AR or VR headset and can try it. Again, if it will be mainstream or not, I still don't know. Especially, I personally think yes. Uh, what I'm not sure instead is that if everyone will wear AR headset in the street in 10 years. I, <laughs> I hope so. Because that means that technology has evolved a lot. But still not sure because, you know, we've seen, for instance, in these five years of VR since the first consumer headset, the Rift CV1, I can't say the technology has evolved that much. The field of view, the resolution is not, you know, that different than five years ago. So I don't know if 10 years will be the, the leap uh, of all the technologies yeah. to make 
uh, headset that everyone will want to wear on the street. Um, but uh, sooner or later will ha happen, maybe 10 years, maybe it's 20, we don't know. But I think in 10 years it's already be a mainstream technology, at least like gaming consoles are today. So uh, I can't wait for it so I don't be like all the strange guy that talks about AR glasses like I am now when I talk with my friends. And <laughs> it be a mainstream tech and I can't wait for to have a mixed reality, you know, have a places, you know, like Zach said, uh, Zach ever said, you know, you don't have to buy a real physical TV, you just buy a TV app for your AR glasses, you put it everywhere you want, you move it whenever you want, and you have some objects that are real, some virtual, that, that will be the real magic for me. That's the world, and we'll end on that note. <laughs> it, it's a very beautiful world, or a very, you know, tech-savvy world, so hopefully we'll reach there. But uh, thanks a lot, Tony. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate you taking out the time for having uh, an intense discussion on this, and it's really been one of the most interesting episodes that we have done, so thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for your time. It's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been amazing for me as well, so if you want to talk about the RMVR again, it would be uh, good. I can speak about it for hours, and I think you too, so... <laughs> <laughs> we can make like one Definitely. night talking Definitely. about RMVR <laughs> marathon. Wow, that was a great conversation, and man, do I have so many more questions. We'll, we'll do another one, Adam. You don't have to get so upset. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely going to have to bring Tony back in. We really are. Uh, okay, a special thanks to our guest, Tony, and of course, our partners over at AppSlayer. Now, if you enjoyed this episode of Level Up UA podcast, please be sure to rate and leave a review. We have so much more to bring to you, so hit that subscribe button. And join us next week as we Level Up UA.